Well, I call this Bible study more precious than gold. Do you know what's more precious than gold in God's eyes? Okay, today we're going to be talking about wisdom. Now, wisdom is such a common everyday word that most of the time we don't even stop to think about it. We don't even stop to ask ourselves, do we really know what wisdom is? Now, if I ask for a show of hands, who knows what wisdom is? Probably every one of us would hold up her hand and say, well, of course we know what wisdom is. But when it boils right down to it, I don't think any of us have a complete understanding now of this simple little term that we call wisdom. And God's been dealing with me that we need to open up that treasure and find out what all wisdom involves. But before we talk about what wisdom is, I want us to discuss for just a moment what wisdom is not. Now, some people think that wisdom comes from a lot of education. In fact, I think most people would think that. Some people think, well, it comes from experience. Other people think, well, maybe it just comes from age. When we get old, then we become wise, you know. But that's not so. Today, I want us to change our thinking on this subject, and I want us to take a look at what wisdom really is all about and what the Bible has to say about wisdom. Because wisdom is not acquired just because we've worked hard for it. Uh, it's not acquired just because we've lived a long time and we've gained it. Wisdom is not intellectualism, and it doesn't come from education. Most people think wisdom comes from education. It doesn't come from education. It doesn't even necessarily always come from experience, because I tell you what, there are a lot of people who have a great deal of experience, and they're still not very wise. You know, you've seen people like that. And there's a lot of people well advanced in years, and they're not wise. So wisdom doesn't come from any of the things that we've been naming. Now, the definition for wisdom, according to Webster's, is it's called the power. Now, that surprised me when I looked it up and found out that Webster calls wisdom the power. Now, notice when Webster's calling it the power, then that made me really want to take a closer look. Now, wisdom is the power to judge rightly and to follow the soundest course of action. I'm going to say that again because we need to get that. Wisdom is the power to judge rightly and to follow the soundest course of action. Okay, now let me paraphrase. I, you need to mark this down. Wisdom is a power force now that causes us to always take the best pathway. That's what wisdom is. We always take the best pathway in no matter what it's in. You know, whether it be in marriage, what it be, whether it be what we're going to cook for supper tonight, our choice of friends, our attitude, emotional decisions. That's what wisdom is. And it's really going to help us now to know that wisdom is a gift. And the Bible just keeps letting us know it's a gift. And there are some people who have had very little education, and yet they still possess this gift of wisdom. And then there's some very well-educated people, and they have absolutely no wisdom at all. I think you could all make a list of that. Now, education is not even a factor where wisdom is concerned. Mark that down in your thinking. Education is not even a factor where wisdom is concerned. Education now is going to give us factual knowledge, but education cannot give us godly wisdom. You cannot educate yourself into being wise. Now, there's two kinds of wisdom that are mentioned in the Bible. One is a godly wisdom, and the other one is a worldly wisdom. And James 3.15, James has a lot to say about wisdom. But James tells us that this wisdom of the world now, it's natural, it's earthly, and he calls it demonic I think that's very interesting that he calls this wisdom earthly, demonic, and, and just a natural. Now, the worldly wise are wise in the things of a fallen world. But this is important now. Worldly wisdom is deceptive because it doesn't seem wrong on the surface. Everybody is looking for this wisdom. And when you think about it, even Christians, we're the first ones out there trying to get wisdom. I'm talking about earthly wisdom now. 
And we're out there trying to get it right there with the rest of the world. Now, it appears to be very prestigious to be worldly wise. But James says that kind of wisdom is natural, it's earthly, and it's demonic. Now, that kind of frightened me when I, that made me really want to search more about wisdom, what the Bible had to say. Now, in Genesis 3, verse 6, it said, When the woman saw that the forbidden tree in the middle of the garden was good for food, she saw that it was a delight to the eyes, it was very beautiful, and she also saw that it was desirous because it made a person wise. And then she took that fruit, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. So the very first fall came from a fruit that, of wisdom now that made people earthly wise. Now, before man even got out of the garden, God had warned against this natural earthly wisdom. Now, this forbidden tree now was desirable simply because it did make a person wise. And I don't know what it is, but there's something very desirous and very seductive now about earthly wisdom. Everybody's after it, you know. And God calls this earthly wisdom the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this knowledge of good and evil is what makes a person worldly wise. Now, James calls this wisdom demonic, and God forbids it. And that's why it's so subtly appealing and yet so destructive. Okay, now that's one kind of wisdom. That's the worldly kind of wisdom that's forbidden. But today, what I want us to look at, we're going to be talking about the godly wisdom that James says comes from above. He said that's what we're supposed to seek after. Now, true wisdom is a characteristic of God, a character trait of God. That's a part of who he is, so you need to mark that down. And it's a gift, and it's a very good gift. And James also says that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Now, I researched over 500 scriptures in the Bible on wisdom, and so this gives you some idea of how important this subject is in God's eyes. When we realize that he talked about it that much, then we sh it should make us say, okay, I better find out about this. Even though it's mentioned several hundred times in the Bible, most of the time when we're reading the word, we just read right over it. You know, it'll have the word wisdom and we just read right past it. And we never really notice what's being said, but it's so important. In fact, wisdom is so important that the Bible calls the opposite of it a person who is a fool. Now that, that's pretty strong. The most detestable of all conditions. Now, I'm going to be giving quite a few scriptural references, so I hope you'll write down the references because uh, that's how you'll go back and be able to see exactly what God has to say to us about wisdom. Now, Proverbs 10 verse 21 tells us that fools die from the lack of wisdom and understanding. Well, even our physical body dies. Lack of oxygen, lack of water, but here it's the lack of this godly wisdom that causes fools to die. I mean, it was very plain about that in the Word. They actually die because they don't have wisdom to guide them to get them to the truth. Now, most of us do not want to be thought of as a fool, and we certainly don't want to die. But too many times we don't do anything to change that destiny because we, we don't think about it. But the Bible tells us there is something we can do. Okay, have you ever stopped to think what wisdom is worth in God's eyes? I want you to think about that. Proverbs 16, 16 tells us that God says that it's better than gold. Okay, Proverbs 8, verse 11, God says that this wisdom is better than rubies. Okay, Job 28, verse 18 tells us that this wisdom is above pearls. Okay, so this godly wisdom is better than gold, it's better than rubies, it's better than pearls. And I wondered, when I thought about that, I thought, have I ever really taken these scriptures seriously? I've read those many times, but I don't think I've ever taken them seriously. This is literally saying that the wisdom of God now is to be desired more than these extreme things of value. 
more than pearls, more than rubies, more than precious stones. Think how the whole world is clamoring after these things. They're clamoring after anything that's valuable. But yet, we're not even realizing that there's something above that that is so wise and so wonderful in God's eyes. Okay, now Proverbs 4, 7 tells us that the primary thing that God has for us is to acquire wisdom. That's, he says that's the primary thing. Think about it. Okay, now that, that tells us two things. Number one, it tells us that it can be acquired. It's something we can receive. And number two, God says it's the very primary thing in life. In other words, it's the first and most important thing. Acquiring wisdom, that's our top priority. Why should acquiring wisdom be the primary thing? Why wouldn't salvation be the primary thing? Or, or healing, you know, or, or maybe a love walk with God. Why wouldn't those things be the primary thing? And that's what I was saying, Lord, this doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. And the Lord began to show me because it's wisdom that's going to lead us to the truth, and that truth is going to lead us to every good thing. So when we, when we seek after the wisdom, that's going to cause us to be able to receive every other good thing that God has. Now, wisdom is the starting point toward every good and perfect gift. If you think about the Magi in the New Testament, they were known as the three wise men from the East. And the Bible tells us they were full of wisdom. And where did their wisdom take them? It took them immediately to Jesus. That's where their wisdom took them. And so that's what God's trying to tell us. The wisdom is so important because the wisdom is what leads us to God. It's what leads us to the Lord. And when we acquire wisdom, it's going to lead us always. The more we acquire, the more it's going to lead us to the fullness of Jesus. Now, a fool will never find the fullness of Jesus, and the Bible makes that very clear. His foolishness will never point him in the right direction, but he's going to turn to Jesus the moment that he becomes wise. And you've seen people that they were worldly wise, and then all of a sudden they come to know the Lord, and then all of a sudden all they want, they just want more of the Lord. His wisdom leads him to Jesus. Okay, Proverbs 19 verse 8 tells us that when we get wisdom, we love our soul. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, well, that sounds a little bit selfish. We get wisdom, and we start loving ourselves. But the person who's seeking after wrong things... They certainly don't love themselves. They don't love the gift that God has given them. One of the most precious gifts that we've been given is our life. God gave us that. It's a precious gift. And we don't love our soul when we waste it. When we become wise, we begin to love our soul. We begin to make choices that brings life into us. And that's why it, it, we become wise when we start seeing these things. Now, if I ask you how Lucifer, who was probably one of the archangels, probably one of the closest to God, how did he move so far away where he had once been with God? You think when he was right there in the presence of the God of the universe, what caused him to move away? To the point now of, of corrupting and even deceiving the nations, not only moving away from God himself, but pulling everyone else to move away. Now, most people would say, well, I don't know. How on earth did that happen? Well, the Bible very plainly tells us how it happened. In Ezekiel 28, verse 17, it says that Lucifer corrupted his wisdom. The minute he corrupted his wisdom, then he started pulling away from God. Now, it brings in a lot of havoc to the earth, more than anyone could possibly imagine, in our wildest imagination, when we start seeking after this worldly wisdom. And when you think about it, everybody's seeking after it. I mean, that's at the top of most people's list. Well, if wisdom is that precious and carries the kind of importance, uh, then the godly wisdom, then we need to look into it. We need to see what it has to say. Now, we're going to cover this Bible study in two sessions. In the first session, we're going to look quickly at 20 things that come as a result of wisdom. 
20 things that God says will come to you if you'll just seek after this wisdom. Then these these 20 earmarks now of a wise person. If we want to be wise and have the world see us as wise, I mean, here's some things to look into. So then next week, what we're going to do, we're going to look at what will always corrupt our wisdom. See, once we get wise, it can be corrupted. Solomon corrupted his wisdom. He was known as the wisest man on earth, and he corrupted his wisdom. Lucifer, you know, I mean, look at the place he left by corrupting his wisdom. Even Adam and Eve, they corrupted their wisdom. So we need to see if that can happen to them. That needs to be something we say, okay, Lord, I want to know everything I need to know about not corrupting my wisdom, seeking after godly wisdom. And by the time we see the value of wisdom, I hope we will have built up now such a desire to to have godly wisdom that we'll want to know anything it takes to get to it. Now, there's some things to do to become wise. First of all, these 20 earmarks of a wise man. And what do I mean by earmarks? Okay, in other words, there are certain fruits that will produce or evolve from the tree of godly wisdom. There's certain things that will evolve, things that will flow just naturally out of this God kind of wisdom. Now, I'm not giving you these necessarily in order priority. I'm just, I'm just giving them to you. You can look down the list and you can say, okay, these are all important. So it doesn't matter which one I do first. Let's just go after it. But these are all good things now that will come as a result of being wise. Now, I need to make one clarification before we start. These things that I'm going to be naming, they do not cause wisdom. I want you to mark that down in your mind. I'm going to be naming 20 things, but they don't cause wisdom. Wisdom is what causes these 20 things. So don't get it mixed up. There's a difference. Now think of people you know who possess these qualities as we go down the list. They possess these qualities, and when you see someone that has one of these qualities, you know they are a wise person. They're headed toward wisdom. Okay, number one quality of a wise man is that he can receive more wisdom. I mean, you know, some people just think, well, boy, I've just, I'm just full of wisdom. I know it all. Listen, when we truly understand wisdom, we understand we're just beginning. You know, there's more and more and more. We need to decide I'm not going to stop anywhere along the way. Nowhere along the way. Now, no one is so wise that he needs no more wisdom from others. And we all have blind spots. And the first sign of foolishness is the refusal to receive counsel now, to receive correction. Proverbs 1 verse 5 says that a wise man will hear and acquire counsel. And then it goes on to say, do not reprove a scoffer, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man and he's going to love you. Give instructions to a wise man, and he's going to be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he's going to increase his learning. Okay, now, does it ruffle your feathers ever when someone tries to tell you something? We need to be honest, because if it ruffles our feathers when somebody's trying to correct us, or, then that means that we're, we're not doing what God says to do to get into wisdom. Now, some people can only receive counsel if they receive it from the person through whom they want it to come. They're real selective. Some people think, well, if, you know, I, I can't receive it from that person. But wisdom can come through anyone. It can come through a child. It's amazing how many times we can get wisdom from a child uh, at times. It can come through an illiterate person. And the one who has the humility to receive it now, the Bible says, is wise. Okay, so number one, a wise man is teachable. Number two, Proverbs 3.13, a wise man is blessed and happy. So we're going to find out that wisdom brings blessing, literally. We all want to be blessed. And sometimes we pass up the part of the word that tells us that you can be blessed when you get wise, when you get wisdom. 
Okay, number three, who is the wise man? Is the one who considers, the Bible says, considers the loving kindness of God. Now, this one is so important. I hope you get this one if you don't get any of the rest of them. This number three, a wise man is one who sees God as a good God. Only someone who is lacking in wisdom now is going to see God as the one who's sending the calamity or the one who's allowing the disaster. And we have that kind of teaching going all over the body of Christ. This suffering teaching where they think God is sending these bad things. That is a horrible teaching. And it's spreading so rapidly through the church. But only someone lacking in wisdom now is going to see God as a God who is sending the calamity, allowing the disaster. That's a horrible thing. And we know that Satan is behind that because it's been pushed so hard, you know, and it's so wrong. It does not line up with scripture. A wise man considers the fact now that God is a good God. He's not a bad God. And so a wise man, it says, considers that, thinks about it. That means he also appreciates the Lord and he's grateful for the good things that God's doing for him. You know, sometimes it's real easy to look at maybe something we don't have or something that's not quite going right, but we need to stop every day and remind ourselves and appreciate the Lord and be grateful for all the good things he does for us. I mean, God is a good God and he wants us to consider his loving kindness. Okay, number four, another earmark of a wise man is one who has glad, happy parents. I would not have thought about that. But Proverbs 10 verse 1 says, A wise son brings gladness to his parents, and a foolish son brings grief to his parents. Proverbs 10 verse 1. It never fails. It is a truth that wise children, I'm not talking about necessarily intelligent children. I'm not talking about smart children necessarily. I'm saying wise children make parents glad. Now, the definition of a wise child is someone who has the power to always take the best pathway. We have to keep reminding ourselves the definition of wisdom. Okay, number five, Proverbs 10 verse five says that a wise person works when it's time to work. I think that's interesting. A wise person, in other words, is not lazy. So laziness and wisdom, they don't go together. They're exact opposites. Now it goes on to say, he who sleeps during harvest acts shamefully. Okay, now that can apply in the spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm. Now, this is spiritual harvest time. We're in a time in this world where we need to be bringing in the harvest, bringing people to the Lord. And the wise man works together in this spiritual harvest. Most of the time, we'll work pretty hard together in our physical harvest. But we need to work to bring in the spiritual harvest. There's not much time left. Okay, now that goes along with number six, earmark of a wise man. Proverbs 11 verse 30 says that he who wins souls is wise. Now, most of us have memorized that one, but we need to take that really seriously. There's something about of the God kind of wisdom that urges a person to be about the Father's business. Wisdom will constantly be pulling you to be about God's business. It's kind of like an instinct on the inside to want people to get saved. There's something wrong when a Christian never thinks about looking out and seeing people that are not saved and and wanting them to find the Lord. There's something wrong if that's not inside of us. And that's where we store up heavenly treasures. And he who follows after that wisdom, that instinct is gonna win souls, just going to. 
In other words, his life is going to point people toward God. There's going to be something that he's doing. He may not be always talking about it, but there's going to be something about his life that makes people want what he has, want more of God. Okay, number seven, Proverbs 14, verse 35, tells us that the wise person wins favor. We all like to have favor. We like for people to look to us and appreciate us, you know. But we're talking about something supernatural here. We're talking about a supernatural favor. And a wise person attracts favor just like a magnet attracts iron. You'll find a wise person and people are attracted to them. They have favor. It's a supernatural thing and it works. Now, this is not saying that you'll never have persecution. Joseph was following after God, and boy, he had extreme favor. But boy, he received persecution too, the point of being put in prison for something he didn't even do. But if you're, you're not being met with a lot of favor, now I'm not talking about worldly favor, but we need to check and see if there's an area where we're acting foolishly. If we're not given a lot of godly favor, then we need to say, Lord, is there an area where I'm acting foolishly? Is there an area where I'm not being wise? Because you said that when I become wise, when I'm seeking after your wisdom, then it's pleasing to you and it's going to make all kinds of good things start happening in my life. Now, Proverbs 3 verse 35 says that the wise will inherit honor. So number seven, favor and honor come from wisdom. Okay, number eight is so important. A wise person knows when to talk and when to keep his mouth shut. I read that and I thought, oh... (laughs) I really thought about that, and I thought, okay, Lord, I've got a little work to do. But that is the trait of a wise person. Proverbs 10, verse 19, when there are many words, it says transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. I was shocked when I started reading all the scriptures about wisdom, and the things that it told me came from a wise person. And I thought, Lord, I've just not paid that much attention to wisdom before. Okay, let's take the confessions of our mouth. We are held accountable, the Bible says, for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Now, don't think that we can put out a lot of negative confessions and a lot of just idle chatter in the privacy of our own home or or maybe just even with a close friend, and that makes it okay. You know, we may say, well, I'm not doing it out in front of public. I'm not doing it in front of people. But in the privacy of my own home or with a close friend, I don't think it hurts. Listen, it does hurt. God's telling us here. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue, no matter where it's spoken, whether it's spoken out in front of a crowd or whether it's spoken right in the home and in front of our children. I personally think it's even more important to speak only the Word of God at home than it is out in front of a bunch of people. It's more important at home. We're careful around other people because we want to make a good impression. But at home, sometimes we kind of let our hair down just kind of say what we want to say. And God showed us this is wrong. But what we say privately in our own home tells us a lot more about the amount of wisdom that we possess than what we're saying out in public. Tells us a lot more about ourselves. Now, if a person is not controlling their tongue, it's a sure telltale sign now that God's showing us that we're not wise. Proverbs 16:23 says, the heart of the wise teaches the mouth. I think that's important. What's in our heart, that teaches the mouth. In other words, that's going to control what we say. It's the wisdom we're to seek after, and then that wisdom is going to teach our mouth exactly what to say. And we'll start seeing ourselves saying the right things. While you're seeking after wisdom, though, Proverbs 17 and 28 is good advice. This is one of Solomon's most clever pieces of advice. And Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. (laughs) I read that and I thought, ooh, I need that one. Write that down and carry it with me, you know. 
Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. In other words, when he closes his mouth, he's counted prudent. So in the meantime, while we're developing wisdom, a lot of people just need to keep silent. You know, I thought that probably needs to be taught to students that um, while you're developing your wisdom, while you're growing up and developing that wisdom, just don't do so much talking. You know, that's good advice. Another category of restraining our tongue is Proverbs 15, verse 2. It says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. So a wise person is someone who uses that knowledge that they have and they use it in the right way. So using our knowledge for good, that's the key. Now you may know all there is to know about certain, a certain situation, but it's not always wisdom to tell it all. There's times when we need to, to have the wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Now, if this were only something that happened occasionally, I wouldn't even mention this, but it happens more often than not. Certain facts will come to light. Let's say maybe Mary hears something that's been said uh, uh, against Susie. And Mary thinks it's her duty to run to Susie and tell her what all has been said about her. Just pour it all on her without even stopping to weigh the hurts or, or weigh the consequences. You know, there's some things best left unsaid. There's some things best left unsaid. I've seen men and women get devastated because of something they were told that it should never have been revealed to them, should never have been said to them. No good fruit comes from it. Years ago during a service, it was being held at Adam Street Community Center, and the speaker told the people to go to someone. He stopped the service. He said, I want you to go to someone with whom you have ought, and I want you to ask them to forgive you. And I never will forget this. There was one guy who had, I mean, they lined up in front of him, you know, and they proceeded to tell, to tell him all the things they didn't like about him, you know, and then they said, would you forgive me for how I felt uh, uh, against you, you know. Bless his heart, he was left devastated. I mean, they almost had to carry him out of the meeting. Now, a lot of the things they were telling him were areas, but it needed to be the Holy Spirit to reveal it, you know, for it to bring good, to have all those facts just dumped on him by all these people all at one time. It didn't bring any good fruit. I think it almost left him devastated. There's times when it's just not wisdom to repeat something or to tell something just because it's a fact. Sometimes we have to realize that it's a fool who delights in a juicy bit of information just so they can tell. The Bible tells us that's a fool that does that without even considering what the, the damage might do. Now, I was counseling with a young lady and her husband, and I pointed out a curse in their bloodline that needed to be recognized and needed to be dealt with so that their marriage could be saved. And I pointed out that she could very easily look back and she could see the damage down the ancestral line. She could see it in the grandparents. She could see it in the parents. And I stated first, I said, I want you to notice how your parents have done this and this and this that were right. But she absolutely broke her neck to tell her parents just the part that sounded negative. I mean, and if they had heard the whole conversation, I don't think they would have been the least bit offended. But the way it was told, I mean, it didn't bring any good fruit. In fact, it brought so much hurt and so much strife that I don't think I ever did come out of that one. And the marriage was not saved. I mean, she just, there was no wisdom there. There was abs she just was not wise. The one thing that I've never understand, understood is that when someone is being counseled, they expect total confidentiality out of the counselor. They always do, you know, and they should expect that. But so many people who are being counseled, they never see to it that they too owe the counselor now the same respect. Because when something is repeated, it never comes out the same when it's taken out of context. If they go and repeat it, it's, it's not going to 
come out the same. We've seen this over and over. A wise person doesn't repeat anything they hear unless the Holy Spirit absolutely quickens them to tell it for good. And that's a key. You'll put that down as a key. And a wise man's motive is always pure when he tells something. So check your motives and check your mouth and make sure that anything you're saying, that your motive is right and that God is telling you, this is going to bring good. This is not going to do harm. We need to check everything that we start saying to someone else. Okay, number nine, in Daniel 1.20, we find that Daniel and his godly companions, they walked in God's wisdom. And the Bible says they were found to be 10 times smarter than those of the Babylonian kingdom. Okay, we read these stories and too often we overlook the answer. We overlook the treasure that would lead us to God's blessing. And we just read in Daniel and we say, oh God, I want to be 10 times smarter. And that's what we're praying. God, just make me 10 times smarter. And we miss the key. But the key is Daniel sought godly wisdom. He was seeking after godly wisdom constantly. And because he was seeking after that, that is what made him wiser. It wasn't just asking God and saying, God, make me wise. But it was seeking, God, I want to make right choices. I, I want to do it exactly what, like you want it done. I want you to use me, Lord. And when we start praying that way, then that's what brings that blessing. That's what blesses us and blesses people. Okay, number 10, Proverbs 15, verse 24. It says, the path of life leads upward for the wise. The path of life leads upward for the wise, that he may keep away from shoal below. Okay, a, a wise person is always going to take the higher way. Only a fool is going to get down on the level of the world. So very simply put, wisdom always takes the best pathway. We can go back to the the definition over and over because it's saying that in so many ways. Number 11, Proverbs 16, 14. The wrath of a king is as messengers of death, but the wise man will appease it. In other words, a wise man is going to bring peace to a situation. And you've been in a place where... Uh, you saw that the conversations, they were not going the right way. It, It wasn't bringing health or happiness or anything to anybody else. And it's the wise man who then is going to say something to bring peace to the situation. It's going to say something to take the conversation away from the damage that it's doing. The wise person does not stir up strife. He helps to eliminate the strife. Now, not everyone can smooth out a mess, you know. Some people only make it worse, and you've seen that, you know. Oh, it's already a mess, and someone will come in, and what they say or what they do just adds to it. So what is the difference? We're going to find out that the wise person is the one who tries to pull things away from the strife, and the one with lack of wisdom is always the one that's going to say something or do something to cause strife to come into the situation. It takes godly wisdom to be a peacemaker, to appease uh, wrath. Now, I'm not talking about making peace at the expense of compromising the things of God. The New Testament tells us, live in peace whenever it's possible. So you're going to find there's going to be times that you're not going to be able to live in peace and and promote peace. So we have to to realize, okay, if it's possible, uh, sometimes evil has to be exposed, even if it's going to cause a little bit of dissension. And we have to be wise enough to know the difference. Okay, number 12. The Bible says that a wise man will seek to acquire the knowledge of God. Okay, a wise person now is going to want to acquire God's knowledge. It's going to be something that he seeks after. He doesn't just uh, not even pay any attention, not even think about it. So it's a wise man who makes himself a student of the Word of God, a student of the Bible. Proverbs 10, 14 tells us that the wise man stores up knowledge. It's the mark of a wise man to store up now the knowledge of God's Word. 
where, we, where every chance we get, we're putting in more of God's Word. We're studying the Word. We're, we're adding it. We need to be a student of the Word constantly. And that the Bible says that is the definition of a wise person. Okay, number 13, Proverbs 21, 20. It says, there is treasure in a wise man's house. Okay, a wise man is frugal. They don't squander their possessions. You're not going to find a wise person squandering his money. So we need to look at how we handle our money, how we take care of our possessions, because that's going to tell us a lot about our wisdom. In other words, how do we take care of our car? How do we take care of the place where we live? Do we trash it out or do we take care of our possessions? Those are possessions that have been given to us by God. And, and that needs to be a question that we ask ourselves because that determines whether we're wise or whether we're not. Number 14, Proverbs 21, 22 says, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Okay, this can be applied to the physical as well as the spiritual because it is indeed a wise man who pulls down the demonic strongholds and takes authority now over the enemy. This is the mark of wisdom to use our God-given authority in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. Take down the satanic strongholds. And the Bible tells us how to take down those satanic strongholds. And it says the wise person is the one who's going to do that. Okay, number 15. A wise person, according to Proverbs 24, 23, does not show partiality. Now, that's pretty self-explanatory. But a wise person is not going to show partiality. We need to remind ourselves because it's easy to show partiality that you know there there's times when that, that's just the easiest thing in the world to do and we need to realize that the bible says a wise person is not going to do that now we may need to pray for somebody that's we want, want to show partiality to anybody but them we need to pray for them okay number 16 isaiah 5 verse 20 woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Boy, don't you see that happening today? That's just, it's amazing to me. I remember the first time that I read that wasn't Actually, it wasn't but a year or two ago, and I think, oh, my goodness, that's describing right where we're living right now. Proverbs 24, 24, do not say to the wicked, you are righteous. Do not call wrong right and right wrong. So he tells it in Isaiah, and then he says it again in Proverbs. Okay, and like I say, this is certainly what we're seeing so much of today, because there is a whole world out there calling wrong right and calling right wrong. I mean, look at it. We could spend another hour just talking about that. And God says that is the work of the foolish who do that. There's a lot of foolish people out there because it's being done a lot. For example, saying Harry Potter is okay. I mean, I hear that and I just think, I'm just using that as one example. But you hear people complimenting some things that are just obviously against the Word of God. I asked one girl, I said, why would, on earth would you say that? And she said, a little witchcraft's not going to hurt. And I mean, I stopped and I thought, oh, Lord, you know, talk about wisdom. But God says it's an abomination calling wrong, right, right, wrong. Okay, number 17, Proverbs 29, 11, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory. But when you think about it, it, it is the fool that's constantly losing his temper. Now, there's times you're going to be angry enough at uh, something that's wrong in the world, but that, it's not talking about that. It's just talking about somebody who's just constantly losing his temper. The wise man, he can see something that's not quite right, but he holds it back and he prays and he does something. He doesn't just blow up. 
James 1.17 says that the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. thought it was interesting. It says it never does. Now, notice the anger of man. There is a righteous indignation that comes from God. There's an anger when evil is being tolerated. So there's a difference. When you read this scripture, you're going to be able to discern because there's times, there's things that you have a righteous indignation because it's so wrong, but you don't just run out and do something about it. You pray and you say, okay, Lord, this is wrong. It's doing damage. What do you want me to do? That, that's the wise person who runs to God and says, what do I do? Okay, number 18, when true wisdom is taught, it brings life to people. Proverbs 13, 14 says, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that turns aside from the snare of the death. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life and turns aside from the snare of death. So literally, wisdom can take us out of the pathway of death. I've seen that happen so many times, that someone who's wise comes along, and, and it literally just completely changes the whole situation, because wisdom imparts life. Okay, number 19, the wise woman builds her house. This is Proverbs 14.1. The wise woman builds her house. The foolish woman tears her house down. Now, this is really easy to see in the negative. You've seen men and women who do this very thing that's destroying the very thing that they love for just stupid reasons. Some people do the things that will drive away their mate, and, and it's a mate that they love or, or maybe a child that they love, and they'll do the very thing that makes that child or that mate so angry that it drives them away. That's not wisdom, and God's warning us right here. I've known times when one employee will go into a company and in no time their negative outlook can cause the whole organization to become disgruntled. You've seen that happen. Before long, they have organized a revolt and they didn't even try. That's the mark of a foolish man or woman. But seldom now do we think about the positive side of this verse. It says the wise person builds the house. Wisdom is always going to build. It's always going to contribute. It's always going to hear God and do what is best for the situation. It doesn't tear down. Now, if one negative person can cause a revolt, then one wise person can bring stability and support the entire group. Okay, number 20. Proverbs 12 verse 18 tells us that the tongue of the wise brings healing. Okay, how on earth does the tongue bring healing? Well, I'm wise when I quote what God's word says about my health. That makes me a wise person when I do that. When I say what God's word says about my, my health, my well-being. And when I say what God says and when I believe it, it will in fact then start bringing the health into my body. You know, I've seen people and they are so negative. They, they're just telling every bad thing wrong with them. You know, they just it's just pouring out of their mouth. And I want to stop them and say, that's not wise. <laughs> that's just not wise. If symptoms come, we have to come to a place where we don't fail to quote what God's Word says. And we have to quote it until we believe it. Sometimes you're saying it just because God said it. But if you keep saying it and keep saying it, then pretty soon you're going to believe that more than you believe the symptoms. I can remember when I first heard the teaching years ago that God has brought health and healing to us. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. You know, I mean, I saw so many sick people and they were Christians and I thought, Lord, I don't understand that at all. And I felt like the Lord just said, just quote what my word says. Just keep saying what my word says. And now I can't even remember how I thought the wrong way. So when we're saying what God's word says, it literally becomes a part of us. It becomes so real to us that we bring it into being. It says the tongue of the wise brings about healthy relationships. 
I love that. Have you noticed how wisdom will bring health into every area of our life? Every area, whether it be relationships, whether it be your physical body, whether it be whatever it is. It's amazing that wisdom brings health in these different places. Okay, if you'll keep this list now of 20 characteristics of wisdom, uh, it's just a good reminder. It's a good reminder. Remember, it's not attempting to do these 20 things that brings about the wisdom. We seek the wisdom, and the more we seek the wisdom, then these 20 things begin to show up. They begin uh, to be there. But it's a really good checklist. So no wonder wisdom is more precious than silver and more precious than fine gold. It is so worth seeking after. It's the primary thing, God says, is top priority. Okay, now in review, if you're a wise person, these are the things that you're going to see start evolving. I want you just to think about it. If I become wise, these are going to start evolving in my life. A wise person is teachable. He's blessed. He sees God as a good God and not a bad God who's sending the bad things. He's grateful. He's appreciative. He has glad parents. A wise man is not lazy. He knows how to work. He knows how to bring in the harvest. A wise man wins souls to Jesus. He supernaturally has favor. He has honor. A wise person knows when to talk and when to keep silent. A wise person becomes smart. I, I thought that was interesting when we were talking about that one. We, we want to be intelligent for the world to say, oh, my goodness, they're so intelligent. Well, it's the wise person who becomes that way. It's not the one who studies the worldly ways. It's the one who studies the Word and says, God, I want what you've got. Then all of a sudden, we just become wise, and even in the world's eyes. A wise person always takes the highest way available. He eliminates strife. A wise person stores up knowledge of the Word. He's careful with his money. He takes care of his possessions. He uses his God-given authority and pulls down strongholds. He doesn't lose his temper. He controls his anger. He brings life into other people's lives. His wisdom takes him and others out of the pathway of death. A wise person builds. He does not tear down. The tongue of the wise person brings healing. I mean, think what all it's saying that wisdom does. I mean, we read that and we think, oh my goodness, no wonder God's saying seek after wisdom more than anything else. And so next week, we're going to look now at some things that the Bible says will corrupt our wisdom. And then we're going to see how God says that we can acquire the primary thing, this trait that is more precious than gold, more precious than silver. Father, I thank you, Lord. I, I repent for the fact that I've never paid really that much attention to how important the God kind of wisdom is. But Father, I mean, when, when I start looking at all the, the things that wisdom produces, Lord, it's ridiculous. It is the fool who doesn't pay attention and doesn't seek after it. Father, help us to begin seeking after your wisdom. And I thank you for all these wonderful uh, things that, that come as gifts to us because of your wisdom. These gifts don't cause the wisdom. It's your wisdom that brings in all these gifts. We just want to say thank you, Lord. Help us that that'll be a primary uh, thing that we're after, a primary thing that, that we seek from you, Father, to be wise in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.